I mean, is it weird that we like criminals? <laughs> no, not in romance. Welcome everybody to Faded Mates. <laughs> <laughs> it's an existential question for our time. Actually, you know what? Here's what I want to talk about before we talk about anything, which is some, you know, people who say you cannot have or find interesting discussions on Twitter are wrong. And one of the most interesting threads I have read recently was by a woman named Fangirl Genie. I don't know if you follow her. I do follow her. I think she's very, very, very smart. Oh, God, yes. Like, the kind of smart where you're like, oh, you're so smart, and I like being smart, but you're really smart. Yeah. And she had a really interesting thread, and I will link to it on show notes, about essential and she and I what I love about her is she I think re, must read enough romance to be really familiar with the genre and this is not really a, a thread about the romance genre which she makes really clear but I still think it's really applicable to what we're going to talk about today which she said you know it cannot be that happily ever afters are only for good people and she talks about how you know like if you only essentially deserve love if you are in your perfect state that there's mm-hmm. something like really wrong with that. And mm-hmm. that she talks a lot in, about TV and like movies in this thread about why she loves like villains who fall in love. And it's this really fascinating thread. And one of the things she says is like, you know, that, that, um, and I like the whole thread is like honestly brilliant. But she said, you know, the idea that being in love only makes you do good things is crazy. Cause she, or is, you know, she said, in fact, people will often do terrible things for love. Mm-hmm. And so that we shouldn't tie love to essential like moral goodness. And and I, I just think the whole idea that like when we talk about anti-heroes in romance, I think we're really trying to explore like the limits of that. And you and I were not talking about Nazis or Stasi officers. No, or that is the limit. Confederate That's soldiers, off the, right? Off the, no. That's no, not you. it for us, right? Klansmen, we don't want any of that business. No. But I think what we do want is, I think we do want to know that there's happiness even for people who are imperfect. And and you can sometimes explore that with people who are really imperfect. And often in romance, that's heroes and not heroines. And I want to talk about that too. So, yes, I agree with that. And I agree that we can't expect people at their best to find love. But I do think... That the anti-hero plays a really important part in the sort of fantasy of love being able to transcend everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because often the anti-hero isn't just like sort of regular old bad guy, right? Yeah. He's bad guy who has done the heroine dirty. Yeah. And like that is about there's something sort of like perversely Mm. about forgiveness in that there's something about being able to have um being able to have like guilt or penance sort of deliver love in some way the grovel is really critical into this books um they don't work without a great grovel. Oh yeah. Um and then there's also this like complicated question of morality chain, right? Because yes. most of the time, I would say probably almost all of the time, it ends with the hero transforming mm-hmm. to good. Right? Yes. They don't they don't end up still terrible. 
Well, I think there are lots of romances where they do, but I don't read them. Right? I mean, I... And and that's okay. Like, not everything is for anybody. And I don't... I, I just... It, it, one thing that's really interesting to me is when I went to sort of remind myself, like, right? Like, what are books that I've liked with this? I did a couple different searches. And I find, like, Goodreads lists to be really helpful for this. Same, right? If I'm trying thing. to, like, jog my memory. So I'm like, romance novels with criminal heroes. And it's, like... 800 pages <laughs> romance novels with criminal heroines does not exist romance novels with like criminal couples or pairings is like two pages and i and the gender dynamics of that i think are really interesting too because women when they do end up being like sort of lawbreakers it's like they're jewel thieves right or they're um con artists maybe like vika they have to have a good reason Heroes have to have a good reason, too. But here's the thing. A hero's reason can be he comes from a broken home or like he had a terrible childhood. A heroine's reason has to be her sister is hungry or her mother is dying. Like it has to be it has to put the heroine into savior space. Right. And I think that that's something that I I I find really interesting because, uh, you know, I just I just think the the unwritten ways in which like the like gender is like enforced in romance is yeah. something is right. And you know what? Like part of me is like I I that to me what is the anti hero thing really I think triggers a lot of this like me questioning like why that is. And sure. Well, it also becomes it. It's when you when it comes to gender, right? The anti heroine is really too often described as the unlikable heroine. Yeah, right. And she's often in that case. It's not that she's a a lawbreaker, right? It's that she isn't obsequious enough, right? right? I mean, or so- she doesn't have a noble enough, or it's nobility too, right? Like yeah. an anti hero. Like I say all the time, okay. Heroes have to be kings. Like right. they and and I stand by that. Like heroes do have to be kings ultimately. And but they don't have to be good kings. Not to start. Although right. well, here's the thing. They do actually <laughs> have to have there's that like old adage that like any romance hero ever like has to be willing to run into a burning building to like save a yes. basket of puppies. Right? <laughs> like there's an ex there's a dis- there is an inherent nobility required for a romance hero. And I agree with you. I don't read these books, but there are a lot of books out there right now where that's not the case. Like, and I'm not here to kink shame, but it is an interesting question. Like, can't it's that it's the Simone scale, right? Where it's like, at what point does it cross over into where does it go from crazy to wrong from wild to wrong yeah like i think that's a real pertinent question for us in 2019 and it doesn't surprise me that we're like trying to work through this in romance because i think romance is always trying to work through some things but i find myself wondering like are we trying to are we trying to justify like the current course that many Americans like seem to be on right now. 
right? Like you could still, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how, how to say that. It's like really hard. Like, right. Like we've got concentration camps for children on our border right now. And so what does it mean to like make heroes who are, who, who, who are like anti-heroes and stay anti-heroes? Right. But I also think that there, I think there's something really interesting here, right? Because you and I have said like no Nazis, no Klansmen, no slave owners, no, like, We've made the list. No Confederate soldiers. Like, these are just, right. these are people who we can just X right off the list. Like, I tweeted, you know, last year, right around this time, like, somebody out there is writing an ICE, you yes. know, officer he- romance. Don't. Stop yeah. right now. Like, yeah. that is not a character who needs to be redeemed. Like, right. And I think that there is a level of fantasy required for these books yeah i think about sky warren a lot so sky writes um you know really dark romances um and i was recommended like she has a series it's like the king the queen the prince like it's got chess yeah yeah and um you know, there's rape in it. There's the hero is um, the, you know, the hero of this book is incredibly dark um, and like broken. And like it shows it's the the first book is their their childhood where, you know, she's kidnapped into this place. And he's mm-hmm. his father, I think, is the um, owns this like world and is like a master criminal and he sort of has to save her but it's not really saving it's a kind of it's it's real tragic it's a lot of like the the books yeah. are very very sky knows how to write a book i mean yeah. she's a magnificent writer but these books are dark and they are tragic and their happily ever after is hard won i mean this is partially because the books end on cliffhangers like there right. are there it's a series so you really have to deeply commit to these books yes. um and i think about like the work that that book does like he's incredibly rich he's still he's still a criminal she comes back to this world like he sends her away to smith to like go to college and she returns and he's so furious with her for coming yeah. back Right. You know, for like he gave her this like opportunity to leave, and then he's to just get he out. treats yeah. her terribly, <laughs> and still they fall in love, right? Yeah, you know, there's so much, and I I would not I do not want to call this dub con or non con, right? Because that's not what Sky writes. What Sky writes is dark, like intense yeah. emotional romance, like with these sort of incredibly complicated relationship dynamics. But there's also a huge amount of dub con, dubious mm-hmm. consent romance, non-consent romance mm-hmm. um, out there right now. And it is certainly doing work. And yeah. I think you're right that it's doing some kind of social work. Like, it's yeah. doing some kind of work, like, iterating a, a society, have you ever se- I'm not a big watcher. We've talked about this, but have you ever seen the movie Traffic? Yeah. And 
a really interesting like character evolution in that book or that movie is with Catherine Zeta Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Where she like essentially at the beginning is completely unaware that her husband is essentially like a drug kingpin. And he, I think if I'm like remembering correctly, like gets arrested and she figures it out. And romance watcher me was expecting her to essentially like straighten up the family and fly right. And instead to protect her family and her lifestyle and their money and their home, she essentially like runs the business for him. Mm -hmm. And I, and it was, it was sort of shocking for me, but I also think it was silly of me to feel that way because the idea that somehow like women (laughs) cannot like, like Mm -hmm. be like, right. Like women are just as capable as anybody else of, of essentially like deciding that, you know, protecting their money or their lifestyle or their kids or whatever it is is more important than, like, the law. Yeah. And well, I, it's and like, I, um, right? That, I mean, traffic is, is the dark version of it, but the lighter version of it is Weeds, that show with Mary yeah. Louise Parker, whose husband dies, and she's a stay-at-home mom. And yeah. she's, like, they live in this, like, McMansion in California, and, like, her, she's, she has to make do, and the way she does is by selling weed. And then, you know, like, by season four, she's, like, traveling across the border and married to a, like, like, a drug kingpin. Yeah. Like, and it's, um, and it's one of those situations where, yeah, like, you accept it. And in that case, it's sort of, like, a funny, like, the first couple of seasons of Weeds are, like, hilariously funny. But the truth is that, yeah, we don't expect heroines to behave in such a manner and we yeah. don't treat them the same way we treat heroes. Right. Well, um, and I think it's also really important to point out that, like, these dilemmas are often among, like, white characters. Mm-hmm. Where, right, like, sort of the rich, influence rich of... white people. Yes. White like, when rich white people sell weed, it's, it's not... Funny. Yeah, it's funny, right? This is, like, a clever comedy. Because the stakes for that character are never going to be the same. And I think that that's one of the things about, like, you know, dark romance. It's, you know, like, I, you know, it's, I, I do read some of it. I mean, we talked a lot about, like, in 2019, it feels like romance readers are kind of polarizing. You know, you either are really drawn to, like, soft, like, cinnamon roll. Like, right, you just want things to, like, feel really comforting. And so, therefore, the characters you read are 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 softer and then there's like a group of people who are like no I just need to read about the darkest things because I need to know that like there's light at the end of yeah, that tunnel. Yeah you can sur- you can transcend them. That's me. I mean like I want I want every dark romance there is. Um but some stuff is too dark for me, right? Like yeah. I think Nikki Sloan is we've never talked about Nikki I don't think on the on the podcast yet and I would really like to we need to figure out a way to do an interstitial where I can talk about Nikki but Nikki Sloan writes these, like, really terrific romance novels that are, you know, these erotic romance novels. But she wrote, uh, and I said, I had sort of always said, I'm not, I'm not on board for non-con. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to read it. Yeah. And, um, and I was recommended her non-con novel. And I read it. And it, I could appreciate sort of intellectually, as somebody who reads a lot of romance novels, I could appreciate the right, like, she's a brilliant yeah. writer. Like, I could appreciate so much about it. But it just, like, it was not for me. 
it, that's not for you, but other things are. Whereas I'm sure we're going to talk about things today where, you know, some readers will be like, oh, that's not for me, but this is. Because I feel yeah. like the pocket that you're, like, getting that from is, it's, like, just really different for everybody. Just like the, ha- like, just like the good happy stuff, right? So I do think that this is, um, but it, the pitfalls feel, um, it just feels riskier to like go into one of these books not knowing what you're getting into. Yeah. Right? That I I just want to name check that Nikki Sloan book. It's sorted. That's what it's called, sorted, in case you're interested. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that's the part that's like really interesting is is like what does it mean to be exploring this as a reader? What does it mean to ex- be exploring it as a society? And then like knowing that there are limits to it, right? Like these are, you know, what does it mean? I mean, I, I talked a lot in a Rita thread about how, like, anti-heroes are almost always in romance or, like, white guys, right? At, you know, like, sure. the, yeah. the, right? And that that's not something we even, um, as a genre, have figured out how to give people, um, how to give anybody but white men, right? Like, women can't be anti-heroes, people of color. I mean, I, and, and that's something I think that, I don't know. Like, I'm always like, I don't know what to do about it, except say that it's there. Now I just said it out loud. And that's the best. I mean, that's the way you start, right? Right. I mean, I think a lot about unlikable heroines, and I'd like to talk, I mean, I'd like to do an interstitial about unlikable heroines, because I love an unlikable heroine. Um, Yeah. But certainly, I have seen, I have read books, I have had books, I've written books with heroines who um, readers cannot deal with, like, cannot stand and that yeah. is because, you know, they are, like, I think, you know, we talk about it all the time that heroes just get a pass. Like, yeah. so I want to talk about, can I talk about my first book? Because yes. I do think this is a good example of, like, heroes just getting a pass. Um, so my first book is actually, it's the first book in a series called Dangerous Royals. It's a mafia series, right? Like, we've just come off of... Cressley's Mafia series, mm-hmm. um, where actually we we talked about it in the player episode with Kate, but um, the uh, professional is really the only one where he's like truly a criminal. Yeah. Although Maxim has his like, you know, whatever. Yeah. We'll talk. I'll talk more about that when I do mine next. So yeah, keep yeah. going. So like, <laughs> so we have this like, you know. So, but mafia, certainly, like, there was the rise of the mafia romance, like, back in the day. Um, Cressley was writing them right around the same time as everyone else. Like, she sort of rode that that mafia wave. Um, but Annika Martin wrote a series called Dangerous Royals. And the first one is Dark Mafia Prince. It's followed by um, Wicked Mafia Prince and then Savage Mar- Mafia Prince. Um, I read them all. I know, me too. And so the first book um, is essentially the heroes, the three, there's three brothers, it's going to sound very similar, three brothers who were supposed to become like, they were supposed to inherit this like mafia kingdom in Russia. Right. Um, This is Russian mobsters. Nobody's an Italian mobster anymore. It's very sad. But the. So these these are Russian mobsters. Just go watch The Godfather, Sarah. It's true. It's true. It's I'm showing my age. So the um so essentially um the 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 
the, their father and had a best friend, had like a consigliere, and they were like equally, they were best, best friends, and these families were raised together. And then suddenly the father was double-crossed by this friend, murdered, and then the entire like mafia world that the father was king of is now like was, became owned by the best friend, right? Yeah. The best friend, of course, has a daughter. Um. And so when these boys who were squirreled off into hiding um, grow up into strapping, handsome young boys, um, they return to take back, to take their revenge. Everybody knows I love a revenge story. To take back what had been once theirs and to do it fully punishing the friend's father or their father's friend by kidnapping with the intent to like torture and kill yeah the heroine who is his daughter um it's a whole lot this series yeah. <laughs> like they hate i mean they he kidnaps the alexio kidnaps mira and she is like she has been working she remembers him from when they were children they were like friends when they were children i mean we also know that i love a childhood friends to enemies to lovers story. Yes. Um, and so this all like sort of works out perfectly, except for the fact that like he can't do it. He yeah. immediately sort of falls back in like into love with her, um, f- remembering her from childhood and like can't, he just can't like follow through. So there's a second brother in this series who like in the moment of the first book is like, fuck this we said revenge that means revenge like and like he runs off to staples to buy a paper cutter to like cut off her finger and send it to her father to like prove and like there's this whole back and forth that sophie jordan and i had over text while we were both reading this book like voraciously where we were like because because he doesn't take the finger, you guys. She doesn't get her content warning. She doesn't get her finger cut off. And Sophie, <laughs> Jordan, and I were like, "This is terrible." <laughs> like he needed that second brother needed to take the finger. Um, oh, literally, God. that's like so that you know our Sophie Jordan's and my uh, text messages back and forth are often like, "I don't think I can do this." Like this this piece of the book is too hard, or like maybe it's too crazy or too bananas. And the response will be, "Take the finger." Uh, after these Annika Martin books, um, oh, that's amazing. But basically, like, so he's an antihero. Then we get into Savage. Mar- uh, no, the next one, which is Wicked Mafia, Wicked Mafia Prince, where the heroine is in high, like. He's done the heroine completely wrong and, like, threatened her life. And so she is in hiding as a nun. And he, like, goes to find her in the convent and abduct her in, like, a vengeful way. And then the third, this the third third one one is like the one that's like so bananas. Turns out the third brother wasn't around. Like, third brother's missing through the first two books. And they can't figure out what's happened to him. They don't know what happened to him. Turns out he was feral and, like, raised by wolves. He literally walked out of the forest and was, like, found this, like, feral character. It's a bananas series. Yeah, it is. Bananas. Um, But more importantly, it is real antiheroes. Like, there's nothing about these guys that is noble in any way except for once they fall for their heroines sure 
there is nobody like they they cannot be they protect them with every ounce of their being it's true morality chain oh for sure especially that last one i mean it's not just like i need to bring you back into society i'm your bridge to society it's like i'm your bridge to humanity yeah right yeah yeah i mean it's pure that one yeah it's pure morality chain but there's I mean, there is a place like we've we've talked about Morality Chain before and people listeners have asked us to recommend them. This series is probably the closest. It's I mean, anytime you look at an antihero, you're sort of you're toying around with Morality Chain. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because ultimately, like they can't also remember at the end, like they're still criminals. Yeah. And so you do sort of have this piece where it's like they're still mafia they just now are kings of the mafia and right. which you know okay and then um and then on top of it there's this sense of like they're good they're maybe a little less sadistic because right. now they're in love slightly yeah um, a pinch a pinch less yeah. sadistic i mean i got to say i love these books i read them all sure. 1 2 3 right. back to back to back um oh, me too for sure and, but I, I think, but it, I'm sorry, it goes back to this fantasy thing where it's like, I don't want real life with these books. Like, right. I wanted him to take the finger because I was like, that feels totally bananas. Like, yeah. I want this to be, you know, this is a 10. I want it to be an 11. Yeah, right. I want it to be 1100, right? I mean, yeah. it's... And, well, and I think in that case, there's... There's not even any nod to it being anything like reality, right? So it's easier to divorce, you know, it's easier to divorce my sort of like, "Mm, I don't know, is that right? Because you're like, no, it's all (laughs) right. Fine. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you can unstitch, you can unstitch like your, your like the fabric of reality and like just live in your little world in a way that you cannot with Nazis. Like Nazis fucking exist and I don't want to read about them. But like, no. You know, this guy walked out of the forest like a feral grown man and like suddenly becomes a romance hero. And that feels completely implausible. And so I want to read a book about it. (laughs) Doesn't he like basically recognize her from a coma? Is that the one? (laughs) Yes. And I was like, that is some powerful. She's doing like she's a researcher. (laughs) No, she's a reporter masquerading (laughs) as a researcher, obviously. And he's so that everybody on staff thinks that he he's like in a coma and not thinking, but like it's basically Conrad and Naomi. Like, yeah, and right. they see like he she sees him see her, but no yeah. one realizes that he sees her. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's faded, amazing. It's faded mates. Faded mates. Annika Martin. I style. mean, it's a nonsense book. Annika Martin, I love you, but it's a nonsense book. I love it. I don't know if I have mentioned my favorite Annika Martin books are The Kinky Bank Robbers. What? Wait, is that the tree? It's a threesome. No, it's a. Yeah, well, there's three men and one woman. And and she's a bank teller? Yes, and they rob her bank (laughs) and then she runs off with them. And they all call themselves by God names. It's like Odin. Yes, yes, yes. And what is Thor? I think. Uh, it's not Isis. Yes. Isis. They I mean, are. I don't, I've never met Annika Martin, but you are bananas. And I, I love, love it. it. That's sure. my highest praise. I do too. 
Okay, so let me talk about one that this, and it's like a really, you were like, that's an interesting choice, but it's um, Moonlight Scandals by Jennifer Armentrout is the one I want to talk about. And this is the third book in a series. And I think this is the best one. Jenny Nordback loves book number one because there's this like hint that these two brothers are going to do this one girl together, right? She was like, wait, I didn't know I loved that, Jenny but I do. any time that, you know. Yeah, it's real yeah. sexy. So, book, anyway, the here's what I, so the hero of this book is named Devlin. Um, Devlin de Vincent. And this is, it's very like Southern Gothic, right? Like they live in Louisiana on this big mansion and, and the house is haunted. And they are like, of course, billionaires. And here's what and the and here's what I really liked about this book. Okay, so the heroine's name is Rosie. She's like the best friend of one of the previous heroines, and so that's kind of how she comes into his orbit. And she's actually like a ghostbuster. Like she and and a couple of people essentially like like are trying to discover if ghosts really exist. And so these two literally could not be any different. And Part of the reason I really actually have a lot of respect for this book is it is the only book I've ever read where it is pretty straight up that like the way you're a billionaire in America is that you've done some dirty fucking shit and your ancestors did some dirty shit and you did some dirty shit to keep it. And that is what you have to do if you want to stay billionaires yeah and I and I love that because I feel like it's so different from the like oh yeah I'm just a 27 year old billionaire because I work really hard like super hard right come the fuck on no it's not you're a billionaire because America is trash and capitalism is terrible and Devlin is is essentially this like in the first two books this like real cipher this house is big the brothers all live so it's you know the previous books are his brothers and, you know, this is one of those books where I was, like, really excited for book number three because I was like, how are you going to write this dude as a hero because he's such a jerk? But and then you're like, can you pull it off? Right. It's sometimes that third book's really hard to pull off when you've really set up that third guy to be. I don't know anything about I'm sure you don't know anything about this. But here's the part where I was, like, really all in is um, – Rosie is actually visiting her friend and you know like he's like you need to move your car you're blocking my way to the eight car garage or whatever and so she goes out and he's sort of talking to her and someone calls her and so she picks up the phone and he kind he cannot believe that she's taking a call while she's talking to him yeah she she shushes him (laughs) and he is like I and she gets off the phone and he is like I've never been shushed in my life and it's he's such a jerk, right? Yeah. And I, yes, and he is. It's honestly he's so terrible to her because he's he is like so fucking mean to her, and she just gives it right back to him. And it turns out that he, in fact, has done some very bad things to keep his brother safe, to keep the family safe, to keep their money. Mm-hmm. And but I, what I, like I said, what I liked about it is unlike the Annika Martin books where it is completely bonkers. Instead, I felt like this was, I mean, this, uh, right, it's about ghosts and whatever. Like, there's some bonkers stuff to it. This feels real compared to that. (laughs) Right. But but the whole idea that, like, your billionaire family in the South is pretty dirty. And that the way you've kept that money is by, Mm -hmm. like, essentially, like, being dirty politicians and, you know, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. I 
I found that part to be really honest. And I really liked that this was like probably the only romance billionaire I've ever read who was basically like, yeah, I've done some shit. Yeah. Don't shush me. Don't shush me. <laughs> and yeah. she was like, how about you fall totally fucking in love with me and I wreck you? And I was like, yes, I would like more of that, please. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the thing, right, is there's uh, you also it's the appeal of bringing down power like the antihero only works. Here's the thing. The antihero only works if he's his if he's undefeated, right, because he needs to be defeated by the heroine. Like the heroine yeah. needs to be the thing that it, right. destroys him. That brings right. him down. And so so we can talk all the time. We have talked about Sophie Jordan's prison books. We can and we talked, you yeah. know, briefly we talked about like I think there's actually a difference between a prison book, a prison criminal book, and a anti-hero. Like I think yeah. and I think the difference is the anti-hero needs to be it needs to be that he is like that no one has ever Beaten been him. able to touch him. Um, no, 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 I agree with you. But the thing I want to say about Sophie's prison books, because I, here's like a, a fun, fun fact is when I was in, I don't know if I mentioned this, when I was in college, I tutored in a prison as a class. Have I, have I told you the story? So I feel like oh I got, you're like in that Kara McKenna book. Not at all. I did not fall in love with anybody. <laughs> I was, I, that did not happen, but sure. Sure, sure. it was but I guess I felt like after that experience, I was very sensitive to the portrayal of like innocent white guys who'd been railroaded into prison. Like, do not even, I do not want to read that book. And one of the things I really greatly respected about Sophie's books is that they they were not like wrongfully imprisoned, no. right? Like they had all done the things that they had been sent to prison for. And I, I, I thought that was important. Yeah, I think that that is important, and I think that's really revolutionary for now. I think these, you know, I think when she, when Sophie was going through writing those prison books, we talked about, you know, for me, the sort of seminal text of prison books is Joe uh, Judith McNaught's Perfect, right? Yes. Um, where it is exactly that. It's a movie star who's falsely accused of, or not falsely accused, but like, you know, framed for the murder of his ex-wife. And um, he escapes from prison and he abducts the heroine, but he's, like, really a great, like, decent dude who's, like, friends with Glenn Close or Meryl Streep or somebody. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Point is, and I actually really love that book, but the the but the difference is he is. He's, like, a golden boy who is deeply innocent and, like, proving his – he escapes to prove his yeah. innocence. He's – you know, yeah. You know, whatever. He's uh, the one-armed man. It's uh, yes that Harrison Ford movie, yes. right? Um, and so the fugitive. Thank you, the fugitive. Um, and so I think there's this really interesting thing where now in romance we are allowing ourselves access to these dudes who have done the bad stuff. And I don't know if that's contemporary coming out of paranormal, like the rise of paranormal post nine eleven gave us all these guys who had done bad stuff. They kind of had to. They had to be willing to kill. Yeah. Right? And here's the thing. We had military romance before that, but you couldn't really linger on the idea that, like, 
military heroes also killed, right? Yeah, because like right. you can't like there is there is like the military hero is sort of Teflon. Yeah. Um but like a paranormal hero could still fight the big bad but also have this like sort of edge of bad boy. Like he was right. a, he was both military and pirate. Yeah. Yeah. And then paranormal sort of started to wane and these sort of in particularly indie contemporary and we should talk about that too. Yeah. These kind of indie contemporaries started to fill that void of like pirate. Yeah. Paranormal bad guy. Yeah. Which is really interesting. You know, especially because and we'll get to it when we get to my pick, but um my other pick, but like historical has always allowed for these sort of bad dudes. Right. Right. Well, and I would say the to me though, like the best redemption story of a man coming out of prison is Mia Hopkins Thirsty. Mm. Where he is, like, genuinely, like, was basically, like, grew up in a neighborhood where he joined a gang. And and he'd been in a prison for a couple years, and it wasn't anything real big. It's not like he was a murderer, but... And he's really trying to turn his life around. And, like, the the amazing, like, dignity with which she, like, writes this character. There's nothing about him that is, like, a stereotype or that is – and I just think it's brilliant. Well, what's interesting about Thirsty, though, and we've we've talked about this before, is Thirsty does different – like, Thirsty is, I think, a revolutionary book because it's the first time I've ever read a romance novel where the hero isn't a king. Yeah. Right. He's – and that's it. It's like he's – but he is, uh, like, the – but he's so good, right? I I mean, he's magnificent, but the – yeah. Like yeah. that fact alone sets thirsty. Like, I have, yes. I feel like we're gonna look back on thirsty in twenty years and say like that started something that didn't exist before. He the book that book starts with him essentially like living in someone's garage. Yeah, the heroine's garage. I mean, which also breaks it breaks a whole second rule, which is like the hero needs to sustain himself. Like the hero, the heroine yeah. can't care for the hero. Yeah, at the start. Well, it's her mother's garage, right, or something, right? It's like a yeah, yeah. some something like that. But it it but she lives doesn't in the matter. House. I mean, she lives in the house, right? And I just think that that it to me though was like such a like I don't know like the way that he he thought about himself and his future and his past and the way that he's really like trying to turn his life around. I mean, I just thought like this is a when we talk about like redemption in romance and. If you ever want to talk about redemption and romance and you have are not going to talk about Thirsty, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. It is the pinnacle to me of that, like, really a, a person saying, I want to change my life for myself. Right. And therefore, I'm going to find the right woman. Beca- not because I'm changing for her, right? I was already determined to change. Well, he is, I mean, that's the thing, right? That's the only reason why that book works. Yeah. Like, because if it, if it worked where, like, he was living in her garage and then he met her and he was like, I'm going to change for you. No, it would never work. It would just, it's just not, there's nothing about that that, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feed any of the fantasy, right? Right, right. Um, But what's interesting, but that book is not, he is not an antihero by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, not at all. Like, not there's all. nothing about that book. Actually, I think one of the things about that book that's really interesting is I think it actually begins 
or begins. It's one of the earliest texts in the genre where we start to see this sort of edge into fiction. Yeah. It because into and what I mean by that is like co- literally like literary or commercial fiction because right. the story isn't fantastical at all. No. Like it is a very authentic representation of redemption, yes. right? And mm-hmm. in a way that like none of these other books are, right? Right. Like Right, absolutely. There just isn't. Like it just has no it has none of the hallmarks of a classic romance novel. Um which is probably why it will be a classic romance novel. Yeah, which is which is <laughs> what makes it so important, I think. Right. Um, that said, it doesn't. So, but getting back to it, like we have this sort of something is happening, right? Like, and I do think maybe I've struck on something with the like the down the downturn of paranormal re- brings this sort of like upswing of um, these kind of wild indie contemporary stories filled with anti-heroes and we talk all the time about the fact you know I remember having a conversation a million years ago a million years ago like in 2015 with my editor about why um these contemporaries these indie contemporaries were working so well um for readers and her saying like they really echo that kind of like darker old school feel that sort of like yeah. impenetrable hero who has mm-hmm. to be unlocked by a heroine there's something very traditional about these books remarkably yeah. right as much yeah. as we're like we don't know like what are they doing like they're doing the work of like the the a Whitney early, my love early right historicals right yeah Clayton Westmoreland no what the hell's his name I think it is Clayton. is it Westmoreland? Westmoreland I think so I don't know the hair I'm ho- you Jen, look, look at me. I'm like, I'm like, look, I don't know. I'm holding it in front of me. Clayton, literally, you guys, this is how, how good we are. I literally have a copy of Whitney, my love, on my desk. It's Clayton Westmoreland. Of course um, it is. I was like, yes. I mean, like, if you want to talk about an antihero, Clayton, like, beats yeah. Whitney. I mean, like, we haven't talked about the fact that, like, these are, these sort of actions are very old school. Yeah. Right. Um, And lived lived on in historical for a long, long time. And we still in historical see these sort of like dark, impenetrable heroes who like don't want to talk to anybody and they're very gruff and like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they're kings of their world, right? Like I'm writing a I'm writing criminals right now. So the my pick is um a book that I urge you all to immediately purchase. <laughs> it's <laughs> Anne Mallory's one night is never enough. And this book came out, I mean, oh my god, she just I think Anne Mallory is one of the greatest historical writers ever. She doesn't write anymore. She um I, she left writing historicals. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think she left writing romance altogether, but she, this book is from 2011, but like if you want to talk about writers who are unsung in the genre who have done things that are really curious and interesting and like never write the same book twice and Mallory has to be on your list like she's written she wrote I I don't know maybe she wrote 10 books for Avon all historicals um, and every one of them is remarkable there and she's written you know she wrote heroes who um 
she wrote heroes who were who suffer from migraines. She wrote um, she wrote a paranormal regency where you're not actually sure if the hero's alive or dead for the whole thing. Like there are a lot of like weird. She's written a lot of what I would refer to as weird books. Like, but she writes a beautiful sentence, and I have never not read one of her books in one sitting. Like I when when I yeah. start an Anne Mallory, I finish it. You're that, in yeah. that day. Um, so this book, One Night is Never Enough, is um, the first book, I want to say, in this series. Um, but the So it has a um, – essentially what happens is there's a king of London's underworld, Roman Merrick. Um, he's never – nobody ever turns him down. He's incredibly powerful. He has access to information about everybody. Um, and he is – he spot – he sets eyes on this – perfect like debutante in and she is the daughter of um she's the daughter of an aristocrat he is and she is like she's beautiful she is smart she is funny she is life of the party girl she could basically have anybody she wants she is a diamond of the first water oh, i love is that a basically like a monster like he lives in the darkness she shines in the light right and so to get her he manipulates the shit out of her father Mm. and because he owns a casino so her he basically says like come and play in my casino and he runs her father into debt to the point where like he can only like he can only make a sex deal essentially and basically he said he it ends up being like i will wager ten thousand pounds like the father is wagering and wagering and wagering he's in debt ten thousand pounds yeah and this the hero says um i'll see that i'll i'll play you this round and clear your debt if you win if you don't win i get one night with your daughter So he wins her in a game of cards. (laughs) And then she is forced to be with him for a night. And it is so amazing. Because (laughs) basically what he says, she's basically like, no, you can't do that. And and he's like, fine, then I ruin you. Like, then I tell everyone that we were together and they'll all believe me. Yeah. And she's like, fuck. Like, yeah. so, and he's like, but if you stay with me for one night, no one will ever know. Like, yeah. all I want is one night. So she's like, okay, okay. So she agrees. And all he wants to do with her is play chess. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not true. He wants to do it to her. Of, of but course he does. There is, at one point, you guys, I looked up from my book and I was like, <laughs> I have been reading this chess game for like 60 pages and I never want it to end. Yeah. They play chess in his bed. Like, and at the <sighs> end, she's like, so are we gonna? And he's like, nope, that's your night. And he sends her off into the world and she's like wait what like and it is fucking magnificent it is 
like I say all the time, like I, I always say, like, I have my five top romance novels of my life. This is one of them. It is well, yeah. so good. Buy it now. Buy it now. Find me on Twitter. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, fight you know me. what? I'm not going to tell Twitter. you you're wrong. I'm not going to fight anybody. That's you not guys, what we're here for. It is bananas. He mm. is so wild about her by the end of that night that he is wrecked by her. Like, he cannot yeah. deal with how he feels about her. Like, he fully <sighs> intends to just fuck her and leave her. And instead, they play chess. And it ruins him. Oh, God, I love that when they're ruined. I don't, I mean, <laughs> I right, so that's the thing, like, right, like, the tougher they are, the harder they fall. Yeah. Does he, like, drink for a long time oh, after? Because, God, God, it's just so destructive. And he has a brother who's like, you're a fucking idiot. And then the brother has a book, too. Obviously. Of course. I mean. Obviously. Clearly. Okay, that sounds amazing. They just play chess. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um. All right. Let me tell you about a little playing chess of my own. No, I'm kidding. In this last book, I want to talk about, which is by M. O'Keefe, Molly O'Keefe. Um. It's called Burn Down the Night. And one of the things I just want to say, I have nothing but respect for Molly O'Keefe because Molly O'Keefe is so like. So she actually has three different pen names. She has Molly Fader, she has Molly O'Keefe, and then M. O'Keefe. And if it's Molly Fader, you know it's basically like almost women's fiction, right? Like it's going to be like romantic elements. If it's Molly O'Keefe, it's just like mainstream contemporary romance. And if it's M. O'Keefe, it's basically like erotic romance. And I love the fact that she, her branding as an author is so clear and that she, like, and here's the thing, too, like, she knows what she's writing and she knows what she's delivering to her audience. And she makes it so easy for you as a reader to, like, know what you're getting. And in a world right now where I feel like those lines are getting really, like, mixed up and people are like, yeah, I'm just writing this book. And you're like, wait, this isn't like any of your other books. And now I feel disappointed and maybe I shouldn't be, but I am. I've got to say, I want to just like kiss Molly O'Keefe if I ever see her, because I love the fact that she knows she knows that readers have expectations yeah. based on previous books. That must be really hard. Authors, I'm sorry, but thank you, Molly, for being so amazing. Anyway, this book, Burn Down the Night, is the third book in the Everything I Left Unsaid series. And I famously said that I hate cliffhangers. The only cliffhanger I've ever read the second part of is everything I left unsaid. Like, I read the first one, and it stopped, and I was like, oh, shit, I must know what happens. I'm a real <laughs> asshole. If you write a cliffhanger, I'll just stop reading. I'll be like, I guess that worked out for them, but I'm real <laughs> pissed about it, and I literally will not do it. This is the only time. And this, and so in this, in, in the first book, it's um, a couple, and the, you know, the hero's name is Dylan, and his brother, Max, they grew up together, but his brother essentially went down a different path and got mixed up with, like, their dad's motorcycle gang. Now, motorcycle gang romances are, like, MC romances are real tricky, too, right? They are, people love them. I secretly have read some, but I, I don't really feel proud of it because I feel like they're very problematic in a lot of ways. Um, just because I, again, I'm like, what are we doing here? And I, if we can't talk about what we're doing there, it's really tricky. But this is one, I think, that... Um, Max, you can tell, we talked about this at the beginning, right? It's never really the life he wanted, 
but it was somehow this inevitability given how he grew up that he would end up in this like motorcycle club mm-hmm. and the heroine though and this is actually the reason i picked it is not because max is part of a motorcycle club it's because the heroine whose name is joan is she's like the most fierce heroine i think i've ever read in any romance outside of presley cole And she is, she's a stripper. She's a con artist. She is doing, she at the beginning of the book essentially plants a bomb outside of a strip club because she is trying to like corner this guy who it turns out has kidnapped her sister. And she is desperate to find her sister and get her back. And so again, we have a, like an anti-heroine, but there's like this reason for it. And in the process of like essentially trying to like get the bad guy and set off this bomb, she and Max, Max is injured and she like throws him in the back of her car. He's been shot and she essentially kidnaps him because he, she's pretty sure that he, he is going to have information that's going to lead her to her sister. And this book is honestly like it's amazing it's like this road trip romance right she throws him in the car and drives him to florida she knows she can't take him to a hospital because they'll ask questions about this gunshot wound doesn't she go to her aunt or she goes to her aunt right mm-hmm. who is you know sort of this woman who like took her sister and her in at some point when they were like teenagers and was not very motherly but like does take care of her and it's i love to see a heroine who is backed up against a wall. Mm-hmm. And this heroine is backed up against a wall. And I think that it is, it is, it's fantastic. And I think part of the reason it really works for me is because, well, okay, it's super fucking hot. Molly O'Keefe can write. I mean, I just think she's a really great storyteller. But Max, it's like about two people who never wanted to be living the lives that they're living. And so then when you get these two people together, It's like, how are we going to make it forward and make it through? And I think that that is what's really compelling to me is it's, it's a redemption story in some ways, but it's about, it's not about like erasing what they've done or who they've been, but like, how do we two broken people who fit together move forward? Yeah. And I think that it's really amazing. And there's this book leads to a fourth book in the series, which I also really liked called wait for it. And I rem- at the end of this book, there's this really amazing line and I'm not one to remember like lines, but Max sees the band will be the hero of the next book and thinks like the animal in me could smell the animal in him. <laughs> and I think that that is what, in anti-hero books like that sentence really sums up like it's really like you're stripping away like the veneer of humanity from people Mm -hmm. and like seeing what's left and i think that's ultimately what makes these books really interesting especially because you know i right now am so comfortable in my life right right there's a way in which these books provide that it's like getting on a roller coaster yeah right and also it because it's like getting on a roller coaster it's it's also a really exciting ride when it's done well by virtue of the fact that you can't see how it'll end right like 
you yes. you love a heroine backed up against a wall like an anti-hero is a hero backed up against a wall like the, the romance is backed up against a wall right because yes like can you both be a bad fucking dude and love in a powerful way that puts yourselves first right yeah because the end of result of a romance novel has to be a believable happily ever after yeah it requires us to take a real ride yeah and put our faith into authors that they'll do it right yeah well and i think it also expansively allows us to think about what hea really means Right. And like we've talked a lot about like the baby log, right? Like the baby epilogue um, as like a really common way that like, right, we see happily ever after as being about family, about being, you know, like sort of in a home, like a fire burning. And I think that the thing that's also really appealing to me about like books with antiheroes or right uh, uh, or is that the HEA often looks really different. Right. And it's it's not about some external thing like a house or kids or whatever. Often what it really boils down to is we're stronger together. Mm-hmm. Right. Like wherever we were before and whatever we're facing in the future, we're stronger together. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that's really beautiful. Well, that's a lovely ending. Let's end there. We should end there. Thanks for listening, everyone. This was Faded Mates. Find us on Twitter at Faded Mates or on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. Like us on your favorite uh, podcasting app. Give us a review if you really love us. Um, And we will be back next week with more stuff in your ear holes. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.